Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today to another episode of South Point Online. Man, I am glad you guys are with us. Hey, why don't you do me a favor right now while you're watching this, go ahead and hit the like button, go ahead and share this video to a bunch of your friends so that we can all just learn and grow in Christ together. Now, we are starting a brand new series today, so I'm pretty excited about that. And it's called Farm to Table. Farm to Table. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that phrase or been to one of these restaurants. What it is is there's these restaurants now that are farm to table. And so the idea is that they take fresh food right from the farm and to cut out all the middleman, cut out all the extra stuff and deliver it basically fresh to your table in the restaurant, farm to table. And I'm not sure if you've ever been to one of these restaurants or not. I have. I've been to a couple and I noticed a few things right away. Actually, I noticed three things right away. Number one, it costs a little bit more. It's not a, it's not a bargain. It's not cheap, um, which is kind of weird, but you know, so it costs a little bit more. Um, and then I've also noticed that you eat seasonally. So you're only eating what's available is only what's being grown. And so in other words, you're, you're not going to get fresh tomatoes in February. It's just not going to happen in a farm to table restaurant. And the other thing I've noticed is that it tastes amazing because it's so fresh because there's no additives or preservatives there's not all this extra stuff put in it it i mean you like you taste the freshness and you just you think oh my goodness i didn't know that this meal or this food could taste this good and I think this is just a beautiful spiritual analogy for our spiritual walk and what's going on because our spiritual walk should be amazing and taste good and just be wonderful. And honestly, think about it. Jesus said in John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Okay, so there's that bread. And he was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem means house of bread. And so we have this beautiful food analogy and with bread and, okay, so like young kids today, I'm not sure they understand the concept of how amazing and wonderful fresh bread is. Is there anything that tastes better on the planet? No, no, there's not. Fresh bread. When I was growing up, I would watch my mom, you know, make the dough and put in the little pan, little bread loaf pan, and then I would sit there and watch it rise. Now you would say, why would you sit there that long? Um, there was no internet, and during the day, there was only a couple channels on TV, and it was soap operas. And so, but pre-internet, we used to, <laughs> I used to watch bread rise. But then, okay, so then you would put it in the oven, and you guys know this, it would, as it baked, it filled the house with this amazing aroma that just smelled so good. And I was the first one there when mom would pull it out of the oven, buddy, wanting that thing cut nice and hot and just a piece of sliced bread oh, with butter melted on there. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's the best. Okay, so then you, you go through scripture and you read stuff like this, like in Psalm 34, 8. It's in your notes. You can download those. Click on the link or for the notes or they'll be on the bottom of the screen. Psalm 34 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you're like, yes, our tasting of the Lord, our walking with Christ, our walking with God should be amazing. It should be full of joy. It should be a present help in the time of need. It should be, it should put something in us where 
We, we have a smile on our face even when we're going through trials, where we have a peace in our heart even when we're being persecuted, even when things are going sideways. There's something still inside of us that's just better than everything that's going on around us. Now, that's what I've experienced. I hope that's what you've experienced. The dilemma is there's a lot of people that when they cross paths with the church or they cross paths with God, that's not what they experience. They experience something different. They don't experience it and then say, oh my goodness, I have tasted and seen and God is good. There's this, there's a disconnect. There, there's a disconnect. And I think there's a disconnect because we're guilty of putting a lot of additives and preservatives into this, this thing called Christ, into this thing called the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he, when Jesus came, he was painfully clear about what he was here for. And um, it's all throughout scripture, all throughout the New Testament. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, okay? And then he comes out of the wilderness and, and we get this verse, Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time on, and what was that time from after the temptation, he was baptized after the temptations, the three temptations of Christ. Then Jesus started preaching his public ministry and he began to preach. Look at what he preached. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. And this is an amazing, amazing verse, and we just read right over it. Now, one of the reasons we really don't get this concept and get this idea is because we don't really talk in kingdom language nowadays. We, we rarely say, this is my kingdom, right? Um, so let me, let me define what kingdom is. And again, it'll be in your notes. It'll be on the screen. Kingdom is this. It's, it's the range of your effective will. Okay, it's the range. Your kingdom, the kingdom, is the is the range of your effective will. So, so it's like this. Um, we all have a kingdom. We all have our little kingdom. Um, I have Craig Kingdom. Okay, my my little kingdom of Craig. You have your kingdom. Whether it's Janice, Janice has a kingdom. Um, Charlie has a kingdom. Um, Samantha has a kingdom. Mary has a kingdom. Go. So you have your kingdom, and you've established it. And your kingdom is that little sphere of your of your life your circle where things happen just because you want them to happen right just because you want it to happen it happens in your kingdom and this is we, the words have changed a little bit but we're still all about the kingdom little kids their first word is what oh you want to say mama or daddy it ain't a kid's first word is no right their first word is no and and very quickly thereafter uh, one of their soon to be enunciated words is mine, mine, no, and mine. And then they get older, they turn into a um, little bit older, and they get teenagers, and they get in the back seat of your car. And what do they do? They draw that line, that imaginary line in between them, and they say, don't you come over here, and I won't go over there. In other words, don't let your kingdom come up all up in my kingdom, right? We separate. We live in kingdom mindsets. So your kingdom, my kingdom, our individual kingdoms, we got a lot of litter going on in our kingdom. There's a lot of stuff going on in our lives that we not we don't like, whether it be sins or bad choices or or situations where it's just awkward or weird, things that we're ashamed of, things that we don't want to look at or talk about. And that's in our kingdom. So then you take that and our kingdom superimposed upon crosses over other people's kingdoms, my kingdoms, your kingdom. We cross and then and then with 
other people's kingdoms. We have our country's kingdoms. We have the media kingdom. We have an election kingdom. We have all of these other kingdoms. And you put all of that together in this big old blah, blah, right? All these different kingdoms. And that is all the kingdom of earth, the earthly kingdom that they talk about in the New Testament. Okay, so watch this. Jesus comes along, all right? And all anyone has ever experienced is this earthly kingdom, all of this stuff that's just not good. I mean, let's let's be honest. You look at your kingdom, your world, my world, there's just a lot of stuff not going on, a lot of stress, a lot of struggle. Jesus comes on the scene and he offers something that is mind-blowing. He offers something. Just check this out. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus says this, again, the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So here's what he's saying. He said, the kingdom of God is something that is so amazing, so mind-blowing, that when you find it, it's more valuable than anything else you have. You're willing to give up anything and everything to have this new, amazing, beautiful kingdom of God operating in your life. So, so where is that? Where is, where is, <laughs> where is that kingdom, right? Because what we experience is this earthly kingdom, and we're like, oh my goodness, where's, where's the kingdom that's so amazing and so valuable that we'd give up everything else for it? Okay, it's it's right here. The reason there's that disconnect. The reason maybe even you, you're in church and maybe maybe you're still not experiencing this, this amazing kingdom of God thing, it's really because it's no longer a fresh kingdom presented to us. It's We've got all these additives. We've got all these preservatives and additives that we've put into the kingdom of God and we're really misrepresenting it. Here, here's the first kingdom. Here's the first preservative, the first additive. Okay, you can fill in the blank. That I think this, I think this is these these things that just really distort and mess up the true kingdom of God. Here's the first one. It's fences, fences. The the poet Robert Frost he said in one of his I think his all time famous poem um, about fences and and walls. He says, "Good fences make good neighbors." Good fences make good neighbors, and we've adopted that ideology into Christianity. We've adopted that ideology into the church. We say, okay, the rules, the fences, right? We put up these rules to separate, to, to let us know, to keep the good people in and to keep the riffraff out. We use rules or fences to help us recognize you're either with us or you're against us, okay? So let me ask you a question. Pick a rule. What, what's, what's the rule that you use in your mind, or one of many, that helps you recognize, oh, they're not a Christian. They're not one of us. What's, what's your rule? If, if they wear, I'll just go through a couple of simple ones, all right? Where, and these are all ones that I've experienced and heard people say and use. Um, well, they wore a hat in church. Or they didn't take their hat off for prayer. Well, they're not, they're not one of us. <laughs> um, what about tattoos? What about tattoos? What about um, water baptism? Do you have to be water baptized to be in? What about drinking alcohol? What about marrying someone outside your own racial ethnicity? What, what, about, what about that? What about, okay, this is one I got the other day. Somebody told me that uh, I, well, we are, we're having a conversation and they found out I owned a gun. Okay, I own a gun. And they let me know 
they told me, not only do I doubt you're a Christian, I can't believe that they allow you to be a pastor if you own a gun. Okay, I mean, like, what, what rules are we throwing out there? Because Jesus says this about the kingdom of God. Uh, Romans 14, the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul says this about the kingdom of God. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of, what? It's on the screen. Not a matter of rules about food and drink. It's not a matter of, the kingdom of God has nothing to do with the rules of all of this earthly kingdom stuff. But is in the realm, the kingdom of God is in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Oh my goodness, it's another realm. Um, St. Augustine, one of our early church fathers, he said this, Love God and do whatever you please. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Just take the first part of that. Love God and do whatever you please. Love God and do whatever you please. And that blows our mind because we're so used to using fences and rules to keep people in, right? Um... In, in America, way back in the day, they would, all the cattle farmers and stuff, they set up fences to keep their cattle in, okay? And they use, that makes sense, right? We want to keep them all. We know which cows are ours because they're in our fence. But in Australia, they would go in the outback, and they didn't use fences. They would go out, and they would dig a deep well, a source of life and water for these animals. And once the animals were there and tasted that water and they knew that it was there, they would never stray far from the source of life. They didn't need fences because they had tasted the water. The kingdom of God, fill in the blank, the kingdom of God is about a well of love, not a fence of confinement. We've set up so many rules trying to keep people in or trying to keep people out and that is not what the kingdom of God is about. And that's why when people taste that, all they're tasting is our additive, not the kingdom of God. All right, you ready for the second one? The first one is what? Fences. The second one is this. Behavior modification. Behavior modification. Um, Romans 12, 2 says this. Be inwardly, come on, help me out, even sitting right there. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Okay, churches for so long have leaned into, or actually they haven't even leaned, they have stepped into this whole idea of behavior modification, totally ignoring life transformation, spiritual transformation. They, they put all of our, churches put a lot of emphasis on changing someone's behavior, cha modifying their behavior to act more like a Christian, thinking that if they will act more like a Christian, that it will transform what's going on inside of them. And that is the exact opposite of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, Romans 12, 2 talks about, okay, first there has to be a spiritual transformation in us. And then from that transformation, then we will start having different behaviors. Sh should having Jesus in our life change how we behave? Well, yeah, it should, of course. But the behavior, changing a behavior, does not bring Jesus into your life. And for so many people, we stress and we push all of these devotional behaviors on someone, <coughs> devotional behaviors on someone, thinking that the more they do that, 
the more Christian, the more mature they will be. So we'll say, we say things like, okay, we might not say, but this is what we think. If you'll read your Bible every day, if you have perfect church attendance, if you are in a small group, if you're on a volunteer team, if you're doing these devotional practices, you will be more transformed. You will be more mature. There's nothing wrong with all of those things. All of those things are good, but those things are not the transformation. We have to have the transformation. The transformation, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you don't know it, here's what it is. It's love. It's a love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. And in there, he explains, listen, this transformation, what we need to be working on is to love God and to love our neighbor. Love. Love is what happens. Love shows the transformation, not the devotional practices. Are the devotional practices good? Well, yeah, of course they are. Do I do them? Yeah, of course. Of course I do, and I hope you do as well. However, if that's all you do, but you don't have the transformational love of Jesus Christ in you, then you're not experiencing the kingdom of God, and you're not walking in the kingdom of God. Okay, so the first one, the first one, what's, what's the first additive? Fences, okay? Fences, rules. The second, the second additive is that we've just kind of twisted and distorted this kingdom of God idea is behavior modification prior to or separate from spiritual transformation. And then here's the third one. The third one is the wrong idea of the gospel. Just the wrong idea of the gospel. Now, when I was growing up, um, one of the things that I was taught was if when you when you die and go to heaven, you know, or before, standing at the gates, when you die and get to the gates of heaven, they're going to ask you a question, and you have to know the answer to that question in order to get in. And, and so what? And so we use that on this side of, of the dirt. We say, okay, if you would die today, how do you know you would go to heaven, or how do you know you would get into heaven? Um, let me reword it a different way, because what really people are saying is this. What's the minimum requirements to get into heaven? If I have to know the answer to one question, if I have to do one thing, or what, what is the minimum requirement to get into heaven? Can I tell you something? That is nowhere in the New Testament. Nowhere does Jesus say, kids, come on, come on, come on, kids, come around. Let me tell you the bare minimum that you have to do to get into heaven. No, he doesn't. He, that, that's just ridiculous. And if we start thinking... And this is what we teach, and it's just so messed up. If we start teaching and thinking that there's a minimum requirement to get into heaven, here's what we're doing. We, we have this cartoonish view of heaven where heaven is just this, this pleasure palace, right? Or, and a cartoonish view of hell where hell is just this torture chamber, right? And, and so we'll do the minimum requirements to get into heaven because we think we want to get into heaven, but we don't even really want God. We, we have a minimum requirement to get in, and so we're just going to do that and not even realize that we're wanting to be in a place, but we don't even really want the God of that place. Luke, Luke 8.1 says this, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. And let's be honest, if, you, if you're in church, if you grew up in church, if you're watching this and you're like, I'm a church person, okay, we've been really good at separating the good news from the kingdom of God. 
But that is not what the Bible teaches. It talks about the good news of the kingdom of God. See, we're, we're taught all the time that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. Okay? Is that accurate? Absolutely. Did he do that? Absolutely. But that's only the starting point. That, that's just the, that's the doorway. That's the passageway. He did die for our sins, but you can't just stop there. He doesn't want you to just stop there. There is a whole kingdom of God that is available, available to every single one of us. Jesus talked in the New Testament, we see where the kingdom of God is talked about. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God over a hundred and fifty times exponentially more than he talked about dying on the cross for our sins. But we talk about that, and what we have is a lot of people that have stepped into this, this salvation. Okay, Jesus died for my sins. Okay, and we stop right there in the doorway when there's a kingdom of God that we can actually step into. The kingdom of God is right now and not yet. The kingdom of God, let me say that again. The kingdom of God is right now and not yet. We have the ability to seek and to step into the kingdom of God. And that is what our top priority should be. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6, He says, make your, come on, help me out. Make your what? Make your top priority God's kingdom and his way of life. And then all this other stuff, you'll get that as well. But your top priority is not just getting saved and then holding on white knuckled. Okay? It's not just accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior and then stopping. No, no, no. Come on. Your top priority is seeking and stepping into the kingdom of God. And it takes some seeking. But what most of us want to do is we want a Star Trek theology rather than a biblical theology. Star Trek theology is if you watch Star Trek growing up with Star Trek or whatever. Watch Star Trek now. Anytime they were on a planet and there was a little bit of an issue, there was a problem, right? They'd hit their communicator and they'd say, beam me up, Scotty. Do you got a lock on my location? Beam me up, Scotty. And we want, we're waiting for God to beam us up out of trouble, to beam us up out of situations, just to evacuate us from planet Earth so that we can be in this, this pleasure palace of heaven when the kingdom of God is available right now. And look at how Jesus tells us to pray. He doesn't tell us to pray, beam us up. He tells us this. He gave us the Lord's Prayer. Remember, like the prayer of Jesus Christ. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your, your kingdom. Up there. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not us go up there to escape this. That is the wrong mentality and it's why you're so depressed and it's why you're struggling with no joy because you are waiting to be beamed up and God is like no 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 I need you to pray for my kingdom up there in heaven what it's like in heaven to come down here we are agents of change we are the ones that are advancing the kingdom of God I don't want to sit around and just pray to be beamed up and I need us to realize and to understand that we have stepped into the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is able to live my life in peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit right now. And everywhere I go, I take that kingdom with me. And remember, remember what kingdom is? Kingdom is the range of your effective will. So as we take the kingdom of God, we are advancing 
the effective will of God. It advances through us and in us into our families, into our schools, into our places of work, into our communities, into our world. We are the ones that God has put the kingdom of God in. And now as we go forward, we advance the kingdom of God. And when we put aside all the additives, come on, when we put aside all the additives, all the preservatives, all of our crazy kingdom thinking and adopt the kingdom of God thinking in its purest form, we're able to take farm fresh kingdom dynamics and deliver them to the table of humanity so that we can see true and everlasting change right where we live. Now I want to pray for you. And before you click off, before you go on to the next video, before you keep scrolling, some of you have really been struggling. You've accepted Christ. You're in the doorway, right? And you've accepted salvation for your sins, but you're not experiencing peace. You're not experiencing joy, righteousness. You don't feel righteous at all. You, you see all your faults and all your issues. And it's because you've tasted of this stuff, all these preservatives and additives, and it's not just pure kingdom. Listen. I want to pray for you right where you are so that you can step out of just the salvation of your sins, which is a beautiful gift, but step into the kingdom of God. Right where you are, will you bow your heads and just close your eyes with me? Just, just right where you are. Heavenly Father, thank you. I thank you that there's a kingdom of God that we can experience right now and even more to come. Experience it now and not yet. There's, there's, there's now and there's coming. And so, Father, I ask that every single one of us listening to this video, watching this video, Lord, every single one of us will step today into the kingdom that you have for us, the kingdom of God. Give us, give us peace in our lives, peace in the middle of all the trials and storms. Give us a right view of ourselves and our community, and let us experience today. Come on, let us experience joy, joy in your Holy Spirit. I love you so much. Still praying with your eyes closed, your head bowed. You're with me. And listen, right now, you just need to click or comment in the box, I need Jesus. I need help. I'm turning my life over to him. I really believe that some of you have not accepted that salvation. You've not even taken that first step to accept the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's super easy. He did everything for us. All you have to do is accept that. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if we would just confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you're going to start telling everybody, hey, I'm a Christian. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. And you believe in your heart that he did die on the cross for our sins and he did come back from the grave, back from the dead, three days later. The Bible says that you will be saved. So by your confession and your belief, that's all it takes. Can I just pray for you? Lord, right now, those people that are accepting your saving grace, those people that are clicking on that prayer button, those people that are commenting in the chat box saying, I am accepting Christ. Lord, I ask that you forgive them of their sins. I ask that you fill them full of your grace, that you climb inside their soul space, that you wash away all the vandalism that the world has put there, that their poor choices have put there, that the littering in their own personal kingdom is there. Father, I ask that you wash them clean, that you set them free. And now, Lord, now, Lord, Give them the energy, the excitement to seek your kingdom and to step into the kingdom of God in the here and now. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 
hey listen do me a favor go ahead and like this video share this video subscribe to our youtube channel while you're here and i will see you guys soon love you